Chapter Six of The Adventures of Tommy Blake by Brother Ernest Ryan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tommy Goes Vacationing. Even before commencement time came around at Washington Irving Academy, Tommy was sure that he would have to join the crowd of about a dozen students who were to spend the summer at Villa of the Cliffs, Mr. Kensington's summer camp. A letter had arrived from his father stating that it was necessary for him to leave the boy there as business called him to europe you'll like it at the villa said clifton de vere a millionaire's son who was not wanted at home because he was a reminder of other days i have spent two summers there and it's great the villa is in the mountains there are fine lakes where we can swim and there are wonderful trails along which we ride you'll like it tom but tommy was not enthusiastic Byron Mullen was not to be there, having planned to go to a little camp of his own hundreds of miles away. His new book, Dark Paradise, was taking form, and he must work at it. However, he had promised to write Tommy often during the summer. "'How far is the villa from the nearest town?' asked Tommy. "'Gee, I don't know. I know we ride miles through the country after we get off the train. We never go back to Cliffville. That's the town. Once we're at the villa.' never go to town don't you go to movies or to shows we have our own movies at the villa we always have good ones and then things moved along quietly until a few days after commencement tommy and his friends found themselves on their way to the summer camp for a time tommy felt an interest in the villa everything was new to him the boys slept until seven o'clock every morning and then went down to the lake for a swim breakfast was served at eight and then the remainder of the morning was spent in hikes, horseback riding, or some other sport. About a mile from the villa, the mountains began a rather rapid rise, their bases heavily wooded, but the slopes above standing out in clear rock, defying the elements. Trails wound up into them, and these the boys loved to follow. One day Tommy and Crawford Simpson made up their minds to start out early and try to go beyond the regular marked trails feeling that exploration would be even more interesting. "'We won't tell any of the others,' they agreed. "'They might tell Kensington, and perhaps he would forbid us to go.' So the two started out on their new venture. They hurried along the familiar paths, which no longer held anything new for them, no caves to explore, no difficult climbs to make. "'Here's where the fun begins,' said Tommy, as they left the last rest house on the trail. "'Now we'll be real mountain climbers.' Let's try to go as straight up from here as possible. We'll use the top of this hut as a landmark. We don't want to get lost. You can't get lost in these mountains, said Crawford. They say you can see our lake from any point on this side. There's a ledge. Let's try to get out on that. Take hold of that root and pull yourself up. That's the way. You'll get a dandy look at the country from there. Were you ever up there, Crawford? asked Tommy. No, but I'll be up there in a minute, and I'm going higher, too. We're only about a hundred feet above the rest house. We've got to go higher. See that big rock projecting out over there? I bet there is a cave under it. I'd like to get inside a real cave. The boys found it a steep climb to the rock. Interesting from below, it was even more interesting when they reached it. Tommy was now straining to get a grip on the top of the stone. As soon as his fingers took hold, he realized that the piece he held to was the apex of what was perhaps a great stone triangle. Just what there would be on the other side he did not know. He must pull himself up and straddle this rock before he could tell. 
It was quite a job to draw himself up, but he was making it, when suddenly he moved a bit too fast, lost his grip, and was soon sliding down the other side of the rock into what was worse than a cave, for this great mouth into which he fell rose up on all sides an almost perpendicular fifteen feet. Tommy hit the bottom with a terrible jolt. Had he fallen straight down into the basin, he might have been killed. As it was, his descent rather resembled a rapid sliding down than a real fall. But even at that, he lay there for a time partially dazed. Soon he saw the face of Crawford looking down at him from the rim of the bowl in which he lay. Crawford had not tried to straddle the rock as Tommy had done. Instead, he had taken hold with both hands and had drawn himself up far enough to see what was ahead. "'Be careful! You'll fall!' came Tommy's voice from what sounded a great distance. Tommy was on his feet now and able to appreciate the surroundings. Crawford saw him in the center of the pit, a mere midget compared to the height of the rocks above him. "'How am I to get out of here? There's nothing for me to hold on to,' were Tommy's next words. "'Gee, I don't know, Tom. I guess I'll have to go back to the villa and get a long rope. You'll have to be pulled out.' "'Do you think we can get a rope? I know where one is, but I'll have to get someone who can pull you out. And I'll have to get going, too. It's after one already. It will be getting dark by the time we get back. You aren't scared, are you, Tommy?' "'No, I'm not afraid. But don't let Kensington know about it, or he won't let us come out again.' Go to the kitchen and try to get old Bill Dolan to come. He's a good friend of mine, and he's plenty strong. And hurry, will you? Soon Crawford was making his way down the rocks towards the rest house. But it was not easy going back down. Coming up, for some reason, hadn't seemed so difficult. It was just three o'clock when Crawford arrived at the deserted rest house. From there to the villa meant another two hours, and that would bring him to the kitchen at old Bill's busiest time. He would be hard at work preparing the supper for the hungry lads who would be coming in from all directions at that time. When Crawford struck the marked trails, he hurried on as fast as he could. It was just ten minutes after five when he reached the stone arch which marked the entrance to the villa grounds. From that point on he must walk along leisurely, so as not to attract special attention. The other boys must not know what had happened. In the kitchen... Crawford found old Bill, mopping the perspiration from his dark red face, a face which seemed almost like raw meat when compared with the whiteness of his cook's trousers and jacket. "'And what are you doing here at this time of day, my boy?' "'Not so loud, Bill. I'm in trouble. Do you think you could help me?' "'Well,' said Bill, piping down to half-wind, "'that all depends. What's biting you now?' Crawford looked all around to see whether or not anyone else were within hearing. "'You see, Tommy Blake and I went out mountain climbing this morning.' "'Yes,' broke in Bill. "'And we climbed pretty high.' "'Yes, go on.' "'Well, Tommy fell down into a hole.' Bill stood speechless for a short moment. Then words returned to him. "'Is he dead?' "'No, Bill, he isn't dead. He isn't even hurt.' but he can't get out. That's why I came to you. I don't want to tell Kensington about it, and I don't want anyone else to know about it. Now, will you go with me to get him out? But, my lad, I have to have supper ready in a few minutes, you know. It will be seven o'clock before I can get out of here. But there are some things in our favor. Kensington has gone to the city, and won't be back till late tonight. 
Gee, that's fine, said Crawford, a little color coming back into his pale cheeks. I tell you what to do, boy. You just go in with the others and have your supper. If they ask any questions about Tommy, don't pay any attention to them. They might think he has gone with Kensington. Then, just as soon as we can, after that, we will go for him. How does that suit you? That will be fine, Bill. Do you think you can get a long rope? It would take more than twenty feet of rope to reach where Tommy is. Now, you just leave all that to me. I'll take care of everything. You go ahead now and get washed up for supper. Come around here for me after your meal is over. With that, Crawford was off to his room. Out in the mountains, miles away, the hours were dragging for Tommy. Just the least suggestion of dusk was creeping into the pit where he sat. It was extremely quiet. Not so much as the sound of a bird interrupted the vast silence. There Tommy sat, thinking over the many happenings that already marked his young life, and he came to the conclusion that most of the unpleasant things were due to the fact that his mother had married an atheist. He remembered what his religion teachers had told him about such marriages. Each fact had gone home with great force for him. He had lived through what they described. But these thoughts did not turn Tommy against his mother. Though realizing fully that she had taken a bad step in marrying a non-Catholic, he knew that she had always remained true to her religion, and had done everything in her power to have him brought up as a Catholic. Where was his mother now? The oft-recurring question almost overwhelmed him in his solitude. He could not bear to think that she was suffering because of him. And where was his father? Why had he looked so thin and pale at their last meeting? Tommy had never seen him that way before. Moreover, there had not been the usual haughty way about him, the typical trait of the Blakes. Something must be radically wrong. He must be ill. If only his mother knew of it, she might perhaps come back to him. She would see to it that he went to one of the several country homes, which Tommy knew his father owned, to rest and regain his lost strength. Everything that was wanted or needed could be had. Money meant nothing to Mr. Blake. The best doctors and nurses could be brought, to live under the same roof with him until he should be fully recovered. If only he, Tommy, could get away, find his mother, all would be well. Meanwhile, time was not waiting for the rescuers. Dusk came and intensified into night. From the bottom of the pit, Tommy looked straight up into the blue-black of the sky. The silence seemed to fill the universe. Stars came out to keep him company. If only he could sleep. But there were too many thoughts flashing through his head to permit him to relax. He began also to wonder about his own continued safety. Would the night bring forth the wild animals from their haunts? Would Crawford be able to get back to him? Had he been able to make his own way down the rocks to the villa? What would Kensington do? While Tommy was asking himself these questions, Crawford and Bill were toiling up the mountain trail. Bill had a large coil of rope, and Crawford carried two lanterns. They had gone out through the back of the camp to avoid being seen by any of the boys, and they were now hurrying along as fast as they could, Crawford leading the way. After some time at this forced pace, the miles began to seem longer and longer to the rescuers. It was getting late, and both were tired. But they must go on. Tommy was waiting for them. The ascent of the mountain was especially hard on old Bill. Through the years he had acquired an unusual thickness of waistline, for which he blamed his profession. He never could be made to admit. 
despite the jokes of many of his friends, that he was a big eater. At last the rest house was reached. We'll have to sit down here a while, Dad. I simply must rest. This climbing will be the death of me. Yes, do sit down, Bill. I'll call to Tommy so that he will know we are coming. It won't do any harm, will it, Bill? No, go right ahead. No one's out here to be disturbed. And he'll hear you, too, for sound carries far when it is as still as this. It'll certainly pep him up, so make it good and loud. With that, Crawford let out a yell that reverberated through the vast silence. Both strained to hear the answer, and the answer came clear but very faint. However, it was enough. They felt renewed energy for going on. Now, from here on, put in Crawford, you'll have a hard time, Bill. We have to go almost straight up. It is even worse now than this morning. Then I didn't have to bother with a lantern. But we'd never get there without the light, Bill. You go ahead now, lad. I'll follow you the best I can. I'm no mountain climber, but we'll get there. He added, though his voice seemed to echo the doubt in his mind. For the first time in his life, he wished he hadn't such a fondness for his own cooking. But it was too late to worry about that now. Hold still a minute, Bill, and look up. See that rock up there, almost at the top of the ray of light from the lantern? That's where we have to go. Tommy's down behind that rock. Old Bill sighed. He was beginning to wonder whether he could possibly make it. The projections on the side of the mountain were so narrow. But he must not let his partner know of his doubts. I think I will stay here and hold up my lantern so you can see better, Bill. What do you say? That's a good idea. You say the pit is just on the other side? Yes, Bill. As soon as you get hold of the edge of that rock above your head, you will be able to pull yourself straight up to the rim of the pit. Go at it easy when you try to straddle that rock. If Tommy had not been so fast at it, he wouldn't have slipped over. Remember, the shape of the stone is like a big triangle. The top of it is very thin. I'll see what I can do with it. Keep out from below. I might fall. You better not. Bill followed the directions very carefully. It was a big job for him to pull himself up to that edge above, but he made it. For a long moment he paused to get his breath. He was puffing too much to be able to talk at once, but he did not keep Tommy waiting any longer than was necessary. "'Are you awake, Tom?' he called down into the blackness of the pit. "'Yes, I'm awake. Who's there? Is that you, Crawford?' "'This is Bill Dolan. Crawford's here, too. Just a minute now. I must get my lantern.' Crawford tied one of the lanterns to the rope that Bill let down to him. Bill then carefully drew it up to where he sat, and then let it down into the pit where Tommy now stood, patiently awaiting rescue. As the rays of the lantern lit up the steep, rocky wall, Bill fully realized how impossible it would be for anyone to get out without the aid of a rope from above. When the lantern came to a stop at the bottom of the pit near Tommy, Bill called to him again. "'Tie the rope around your waist as well as you can, Tommy. Make several knots in it. Then take hold of it with your hands, and I'll pull you up. Let me know as soon as you are ready.' He watched Tommy carry out his instructions in the little pool of light far below. When the boy was ready, Bill called down to him. Don't bother about the lantern. We'll just leave it there. Hold on tight now, and don't be scared. Brace your feet against the rock so you won't get scratched. Steady now. With that, Bill began to pull on his rope. The job was almost too much for him. 
he had to keep his balance on the top of the rock and at the same time pull up a weight of close to a hundred pounds but he went on pulling hand over hand and each vigorous tug brought tommy near to the top of the cliff hold on tight boy you're getting pretty close is it hurting ya pull right ahead bill i'm all right soon tommy was able to catch hold of the top of the rock but precautions were more than ever necessary to prevent him from falling there were a few breathless moments for bill and tommy but they were soon over and tommy felt himself firmly seated trying to get his breath that's the hardest thing i've done in years boy i'm very grateful to you bill for getting me out does kensington know that you came for me no tommy he wasn't home when we left i hope we can make it back before he gets there we have a long drag ahead of us so just as soon as you can start let me know i wouldn't want to have any words with the boss you know well let's go right away bill i know you are very tired and i'm sorry i caused you all this trouble now don't be bothering about that my boy there's crawford down there with the lantern make your way down go easy now watch your step i'll follow you slowly the two worked themselves down the face of the rock to where crawford sat holding his lantern i guess you thought we were never coming tommy but it was a long way and i was really very tired more than once i felt like sitting down i knew you'd come back crawford and i'm thankful to you for getting bill to come with you it wasn't much fun staying down in there all that time some wild animals might have come and what could i have done i sang songs and whistled to scare anything away but let's hurry now we want to try to get home before kensington does and it's a long way home we'll try not to go too fast for you bill we know you're very tired after your hard work don't be minding me lads i'll keep up with you the three pushed on down the trail as fast as their tired bodies could move in spite of the fact that the boys were in the habit of taking long walks they had never been put to the strain they had endured to-day the moon was up now and gave them light for their trip home so the lantern was extinguished not only because they were able to dispense with it but also because they wished to avoid attracting attention if they could get in unobserved all would be well long after midnight the travellers passed under the stone arch at the entrance to the villa property there they paused and listened carefully basil kensington might be around looking for them or he might even have the sheriff on their trail kensington always acted quickly when there was a possibility of trouble there was not a light to be seen anywhere so there was no way for the boys to find out at present whether anyone had known of their escapade or not i'll take the rope down to the barn you go right along up to the front of the villa i have the key to the kitchen i'll go in there come through to the front of the house and if the door is locked i'll let you in be as quiet as you can i want to thank you bill for your kindness to me now forget about that and get along it's late you know bill left them at once the boys continued their way up to the front as they had been told tom had just put his hand on the doorknob when a familiar voice out of the silence chilled them not only by its unexpectedness but also by its tone basil kensington's greeting was brief and cold go to bed now i'll take care of you in the morning End of chapter 6